Hey, welcome to the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Bright. I'm your host, Jim Brangenberg. Think about it. Our view of God determines what we think on all moral, cultural, and economic issues. It even determines how we vote. Hope for the future of our country and our world lies in our ability to make God the issue in every issue. Is it a sin not to vote? I mean, really, what if all the candidates are awful? And what if I think my vote won't really matter? What if I don't know how to vote or how to figure out who to vote for? What if I'm just too stinking busy? It's my vote. I should be allowed to do with it whatever I want to do, right? We begin our conversation today well. with all of these questions, and Brad Bright is here to guide us along the way. Thanks for being with us today, Brad. Great to be here, and this is going to be a very interesting conversation. <laughs> Brad, is it a sin to not vote? What if all the candidates are awful? What if I think my vote won't really matter? What if I don't know how to figure out who to vote for? What if I'm just too stinking busy? How do I deal with all the doubt and the confusion surrounding elections? Oh my goodness, it's just stressful. I mean, you, you just threw a lot at me. So I what did. am I supposed to do with it? What am I actually, let me tell you what I'm going to do with it. We're going to take it back to the core question, okay? Okay. Here, here's the question we have to answer first. Before I can answer any of those other questions, we have to answer one question first. Is what does it mean to be a steward in God's kingdom? What does it mean to be a steward in God's kingdom? Revelation uh, 5 says God purchased us, right? God purchased us. He owns us. We are his servant. We are stewards. As far as Jesus, we're his servants. Now then, if I'm a steward rather than an owner of everything that God gives me, that makes a huge difference, doesn't it? So that's where the conversation is going to go. Wow. You just said a lot there. All right. So I think we better, I mean, the question we ask is, is it a sin not to vote? So you're saying since it's not our vote, that it's not a sin or it is a sin? Or you don't want to say it yet? I'm saying we're a steward, right? Okay. All right. So what does it mean to be a steward? Let's just beat this up here a little bit. What does it mean to be a steward? As a steward, as a steward, what do I own? I own nothing. I'm responsible though for what God gives me, but I don't own of it. You know, do I, do I own my money? No. Do I own my house? No, God owns my house. I'm a steward of the house. Do I own my children? No. God makes me a steward of them for what? 18 years or something. But at that point, I, but I never own them. You know, do I own my time or is time a gift from God? You know, in America, we talk about my rights, but are they your rights or are they your God given rights? You see, if I'm a steward, they're God given rights. Who gave you your natural talent and abilities? Was God, you know, Rush Limbaugh, whether you love him or hate him, he got one thing right. He always started his programs with talent on loan from God. Well, let's say it. You really. know, talent on loan from God. There, there okay. you go. Right. That, that Rush got that right. You see, our talent is simply on loan from God. It all comes from God. It all comes from God. And therefore, as a believer, all I am is a steward. I say, all I am is a steward. I get to be a steward of what God gives me. What? That's a powerful word. So let's talk about the Bible. Then what does the Bible have to say about stewardship? Oh, the Bible has says a ton about stewardship. But one of my favorite examples is a parable. I, I, I prefer stories over, you know, uh, a statement. St- stories contain, contain so much uh, nuance, et cetera. So in Matthew chapter 25, we, we, there's, this, there's the parable of the talents, right? And uh, most of us have heard it. But there's the three servants, and the master's going away on a long, long trip. So he gives his first servant 
five bags of gold. He gives his second servant two bags of gold, the third servant one bag of gold. And then he goes away for a long time. And then finally, one day he comes home and he calls the servants in one at a time. First, he calls the servant in with the five bags of gold. He said, servant with five bags of gold, what'd you do with the gold I gave you? And the servant says, master, I invested it and I, I'm giving you back 10 bags of gold. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he calls in the servant who has the two bags of gold and says, servant with two bags of gold, what'd you do with the two bags of gold I gave you? And the servant with the two bags of gold says, master, I invested it. Now I have four bags of gold. So I'm giving you back four bags of gold. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he calls the last servant and he to him, he gave one bag of gold. He said, servant with one bag of gold, what did you do with the gold I gave you? And the servant said, well, master, I didn't want to lose it. So I buried it in the ground. Uh-oh. And the master says, you did what? He said, you wicked, wicked servant. Why didn't you invest the money? Why didn't you at least put it in the bank so you would give me a return on my investment? And he said, get this servant out here, throw him out. I never want to see him again. He called him a wicked, wicked servant. So You see, it all comes from God and what you do with it determines whether you're a good servant or a bad servant, a good steward or a bad steward. All right. The title for today is, Is It a Sin Not to Vote? So all of that takes me to this question. What does all of this have to do with voting? Okay. Let's, let's bring the plane in for a landing, right? God gave you one vote. He gave it to you. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to invest it or are you going to bury it? You get the connection? You can invest your vote or you can bury your vote. But that, but that vote is God's vote. You don't own that vote. God gave it to you. You're, since God gave it to it, you're only a steward. And your only choice is whether you will invest it or bury it. Investing your vote means what? To go and vote. Burying your vote means what? to refuse to vote. That's pretty sobering. Okay. All right. So you just said something and we got, we got to get clarification. Burying your vote or investing your vote? What do you mean? Well, very simple. Invest, investing your vote, it means to vote. To bury your vote means to not vote. If you bury your vote, do you think Jesus will call you a good steward, a faithful steward, or a wicked, wicked steward? I mean, we've already seen in the scriptures what he called the servant who did not invest what he gave him. You know, Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way, and we've all heard the quote, but I've added a little bit to the quote. And Bonhoeffer said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And I've added one more sentence to that. Not to vote is to vote. You know, fortunately, if you sin, God will forgive you. He, he will forgive you. But the point is, if you vote, you don't have to ask for forgiveness. He, you know, God never says that's okay. God says, I love you, therefore I will forgive you, as meaning you blew it, right? But the point is, your sins, as he would say to the woman caught in adultery, your sins are forgiven. Now go and sin no more. See, you're a steward of everything God gives you, including your vote. Don't bury your vote in the sand. I, I have to say, that's, that's, if God gave you the vote and you're a steward of it, you buried it, buried it in the dirt, that's sin. Yeah, I mean, you lay that right up. We're going to go to break because it, it's a great way. Because you, so you're saying it is a sin if you don't vote because we're stewards of that vote. You're listening to the God is the Issue podcast. 
And our title, is it a sin not to vote? Well, Brad just said yes, but there's got to be more because there's more podcasts left. Hang on, and you'll see how we make God the issue in this issue. Want to know more about how you can make God the issue in every issue? Get your copy of Brad's book, God is the Issue. Now in its third edition, you can get your ebook copy at brightmedia.org. Even better, if you subscribe to this podcast, you'll receive a coupon for one free download of God is the Issue ebook. Go to brightmedia.org, that's brightmedia.org, and get God is the Issue ebook today. Hey, welcome back to the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Bright. Brad, you just said it. It is a sin to not vote because we're stewards of that vote. So if we're stewards of the vote and God expects us not to bury that vote, but to invest that vote, how do we vote wisely? How do we gain the yeah. wisdom of Solomon when we look at one of those voting, you know, pieces of paper? Well, it, it really is a, is a process of learning to vote wisely. But yeah, it's not just enough to vote. Uh, although if we vote, at least God will say you were, you were faithful. But we want to be a, we want God to say great job too, right? It's, I, I want to hear more than anything, well done, good and faithful servant, that I, I did what God asked me to do to the best of my ability. But, you know, I, I want to be able to do this better tomorrow than I do it today. You know, Matthew 10, 16, 16 says, be as shrewd as a snake, but as, but as innocent as a dove. So when, we come, when it comes time to vote, we need to apply that to voting. If we're going to be good stewards, mm. we need to intentionally begin to apply that to the voting. Uh, so the question is, go, yeah, what? What does that mean? How do you do that? Well, well that's the question. It, well, first of all, you do it on your knees. <laughs> you, you don't rely on just your own wisdom. But what it really does mean is, is it, it doesn't mean you vote for the most attractive candidate. You know, for, forget that. What you do is you pay attention. The first step of being, being a shrewd voter is to pay attention. Simply pay attention. Then vote based on that person's track record, not their words. I tell people, turn off the sound. These, these folks, they, some of these guys have silver tongues. Some of these women have silver tongues. They'll deceive you every time. Turn off the sound. Look at their track record based on their track record, which means you have to do what? A little bit of research? Sure, you have to do research. But the question is, is can you be shrewd as Jesus commanded us if you're uninformed? How could no. you? How could you make an investment if you don't know the investment? No, you, you can't. So you've got to do a little bit of research. But I'm going to give you some help with that here in a few minutes of how you can do that in, in a way that doesn't consume hundreds of hours, okay? Uh, but, but finally, I, and I, I have to say this, vote with your Bible open. Ask God what he thinks. You know. Don't vote on based how you feel. Vote based on how God feels. Okay. And, and it's that wisdom sometimes can come through prayer, and it sometimes can come in conversations with others, but that, that's that research. You got to do some research. All right, so how can you vote wisely if you're busy? Because, you know, we're all busy. You know, most of us don't have time to research every candidate and every issue. And blah, blah, you know, it gets overwhelming. You're like, ah, just run out of color in a box. It does. I mean, I, I used to spend, I don't know, 100 hours researching candidates and issues. I mean, that's a lot of time. Who has time to do that? It's just because, you know, I came out of the political arena. I love this stuff. And so that's, it's stuff. I didn't just do it. I did it because I enjoyed it. I mean, I was weird, one of those weird people. But I wanted to know. I wanted to know who this person was. I wanted to know what this issue was. So I was motivated. But the average person can't do that. And I get that. So here is what I recommend for people to do. And we've referred to it in other podcasts. Go start a community action group. Call it whatever you want. 
But the point of it is, is get like-minded people together with you. And in this case, divide up the candidates, divide up the issues. Each of you research two or three or four of them. And you can do a deep dive on the research this way because you're only doing a few. And then you get back together and you present your results to the group. You can do this in person, which is a lot more fun. You can do it on on Zoom or or however you want to do it. But the point is, you only have to do research on just a few candidates or issues, and your friends will help with that. Hmm. (coughs) Will help in researching as well. You can learn from what they've learned. You don't have to be an expert on all these people. That is how you multiply your time. That is how you can vote shrewdly. Is there any places online a, a, a guy can go to get honest research on candidates? Because that's part of the problem. You go online. I know this is going to come as a shock to all of our listeners and to you, Brett. But not everything you read online is true. <laughs> really? I wish someone told me that before. <laughs> no, you know, a great resource is iVoterGuy. In the past of what I've seen them do, they really try, they try to evaluate every candidate based on the exact same grid. So their ratings on candidates, they're, they're not trying to make one candidate look better than the other. They're simply trying to give the, the voter good, solid information. So it's all the same grid. And when it's all on the same grid, then you can reliably kind of get a comparison between candidates. That's a, that's a great resource. Uh, all right. And then my next question, uh, just hang on. Okay. Because sometimes when you get to the, the ballot, the choice is between two lousy candidates, two self-centered lousy candidates. How do you choose between two people you don't like? Well, here, here's, here, for me, here's the framework. I'm a steward. I'm not going to bury my vote. So I better get in there and start digging under the surface to find out which one is the least bad candidate. And then I vote for the, for the least bad candidate because I'm a steward of my vote. I'm not going to bury it. I am going to vote because I'm a steward. So it just means I've got to dig deeper and, and, and harder. And there have been a lot of candidates I've looked at in the past. I didn't like either of them. And when I voted, I didn't like either of them. But as I dug in and did research, I found out there were, there were some issues in there that, I, that distinguished the two candidates, and it's how I decided to vote. Only one time have I really done a protest vote, and that's because both candidates were so awful. I said, okay. And I actually crossed over and voted for the worst of the two. And then there's a, there's a whole rationale behind it. But I had just been working for the National Republican Congressional Committee. And I went back and I said, guys, you need to know what I did. And you gave me a candidate so bad, maybe worse than the candidate from the other party, that I voted and crossed over for the candidate from the other party. Don't ever do that to me again. Because if you do, I'll bite you back. And so I did it, but with, with the ability to, to give input to the people who had some clout. The name of this podcast... But I voted. Well, that's good. And the name of this podcast is God is the Issue. And we're talking about making God the issue in every issue. And today we're talking about voting. And that, is it a sin not to vote? Yes, we determined that because we're stewards. But let's talk about... I mean, the voting process is complex. Is it more important to vote in the primary or the general election? That's a great question. But, you know, most congressional elections are decided in the primary. But what do you mean by so, that? What you, no, no. They, the candidates are determined, but then you're going to vote in November. Yeah, but most congressional districts, they're, they're, they're set up to either go Republican or Democrat. That's just how it's set up. That's how the system works. You know? So they'll, they'll make sure that there's 
that that fifty six percent, that fifty four percent of the voters are, are Democrat, and sixty six and forty six are are are, Dem, are uh, Republican. So it makes makes it so the Democrat can win every time, and the Republicans do the same thing. It goes back and forth. It's called you know to a degree it's gerrymandering. So understand most congressional districts are going to tend to go one way or the other. Therefore, if you want to have a say in, in who you get to vote on in the general election, you have to vote in the primary. If you don't vote in the primary, let, let me ask you a question. If you don't vote in the primary, Jim, do you have the right to complain about the pathetic candidates in the general election? <laughs> I suppose you don't. <laughs> no. If, there's, if you don't vote in the primary and all there are awful candidates, then it's your fault. You were an unfaithful steward. Why? Because you didn't give the vote that God gave you to invest. It's your fault. Uh, that's blunt, I know, but it's true. All right. Should, should you vote for the candidate you agree with most closely or the candidate that has the best shot of winning? Which one of those is better stewardship? Well, that's... That's like a million-dollar question. question. It's probably a $10 million question. Should you vote? Really I'm going to say it again. Should you vote for the candidate you agree with mostly or most closely or the candidate that has the best shot of winning? Every situation is going to be different. I know that's exactly what you wanted to hear, right? <laughs> but perhaps you're running say, for office and you don't want to answer <laughs> the question properly. There, there we go. No, I would say keep the big picture in mind. Keep the big picture in mind and be shrewd. See, in the primaries, I tend to look for two things. One, do I agree with this candidate on most issues? And two, do I think they can win? If I think they have no chance of winning, I'm probably going to go look for a candidate that I think it might at least have a long shot at winning. You know, it's politics is dirty. It's not an exact science. But when I worked for the National Republican Congressional Committee, I'd lots of times have Christians who would come to me and say, okay, Brad, you know, I live in, live in Ohio. I'm going to run for Congress. Now get the NRCC to, to support me. I said, okay, okay, can I ask you a few questions first? And I'd ask them a few questions to find out, had they done their homework? Had they done their research? Did they know what they were getting into? I mean, because if they're clueless, they can say God called me to run, but God never told me that they called them to run. So I've got to be shrewd. And so I'd ask shrewd questions. First of all, I wanted to find out, do you know what you're getting into? Are you ready for this? And if I just, if after asking a few questions, I realized they weren't ready, I said, I, I can't support you. I'm sorry. Unless God intervenes and tells me, I'm not going to go to the NRCC and say, we got to support this guy. You need to go back and do your research and do your homework and, and get your education. I, I can remember when a friend of mine called me up one day and he said, Brad, I, I'm going to run for Congress. And I said, great. Now you're going to learn a whole new definition of the word dirty. And he kind of smiled at me. Ha, 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 ha. Six months later, he called me and said, Brad, you want to believe how dirty this is. And I was tempted to say, I told you so. I, I didn't. But that's the point. It's a whole new ballgame. So in the general election, you know, I almost always vote for the candidate who best represents my views. But in the primaries, it's, it's a very different, uh, different ballgame. But sometimes, though, I'll say, okay, let's go for broke. This is the guy that I really agree with. He doesn't stand much of a chance, but maybe he's a long shot. Let's give it a try. In the primaries, that's where I tend to take the long shots. But in the general I, I, I want a candidate who can win. Now, I will not vote for a candidate who opposes, who really opposes the, the biblical values. I just, I won't do that. Um, unless there's two really bad candidates, then again, I, I have to dig. But I, I want to vote on my knees with my Bible open, seeking wise counsel. Is it a sin not to vote? We've determined that the answer is yes. 
God, God is speaking through Brad right now on exactly how do we put that vote into action? What does it look like to be a good steward of that? When we come back, we're going to finish up this conversation, understanding what our candidates actually do so we can better vote for them on the ballot. You're listening to the God is the Issue podcast as we talk about voting and your stewardship of your vote. We'll be right back. Brad Bright travels the country speaking and training people how to make God the issue in every issue. Go to brightmedia.org, that's brightmedia.org, to find out how you can bring Brad's highly interactive workshop to your area. It's fun, engaging, and most important, it will help make you more effective in making God the issue in every issue. Go to brightmedia.org, that's brightmedia.org, and schedule Brad today. Hey, welcome back to the God is the Issue podcast as we talk about voting. We've already determined it's a sin not to vote. We've already determined that as a steward, you've been given that vote from God. And we were talking about what does it really look like to put that stewardship into action? Brad, I think it's important that we dig deep into, you know, most of our elections are about small candidates, mayors and uh, local uh, you know, people in the county offices and, and things like that. But the ones that really impact the entire country are congressional, Senate, and presidential elections. So what kind of factors should we consider when voting for a person running for Congress? Well, I, I think we need to consider what is it that a congressman does? What do they do? What is their primary job? Their primary job is to legislate, right? So if the primary job is to legislate, we should vote based upon how we think they are going to legislate. Now then, a United States senator, though, their job description is a little different. Do they legislate? Yes, they do legislate, but they do two other critical jobs. You know what, the, you know what those are, Jim? Well, I know on the spot. The, the judges thing is such a huge thing, appointing judges, because that was such a monster thing. That's, in fact, how Roe v. Wade finally was overturned by, con- yeah, by they, people that believed in the Constitution. Yeah, they, they confirmed federal judges. I mean, that's huge, not just Supreme Court, but to all the federal courts, they confirm them. And they also confirm cabinet members. So they do two things that congressmen don't do. They confirm cabinet members, and they confirm federal judges. Now, let me ask you a question. What is the most powerful branch of government in America today? Um, they're supposed to be equal branches of government, Brett. Yes, in theory, they are equal. You have the legislative, you have the executive, and you have the judicial. Of the three today, what is the most powerful branch of government? I'm pretty sure the judicial is the most powerful. Judiciary. Judiciary can override the president, can override the Congress, can override the Senate. Now, in theory, the Senate and Congress should be able to override the judiciary, but they don't seem to have the will to be able to do that. So by default, the judiciary has become the strongest branch of government. In light of that, how heavily should that factor into your decision in who you vote for for Senate? I mean, these guys are going to determine your religious freedom. That is your ability to, 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 to preach the gospel. They're going to determine whether the fetus in the womb is a person or not. They're going to determine what marriage is. In fact, they have determined what marriage is, at least in terms of the law. They're going to, they're going to in the future, determine what gender is. So how important is it, do you think, you consider that when you vote for United States Senator? I would say pretty important. And they're in office three times longer than a congressman congressperson right so or a senator yeah they actually they're in office six years instead of two that's right yeah now then let's go to the president okay we're well, voting for president president does a lot of things right 
First of all, he has a bully pulpit. He has the power of words to influence if he's a very good communicator at all. And he's the head of the military. He negotiates treaties. He implements federal law. He administrates the executive branch. Oh, and, and uh, what does he do? He nominates judges for the federal court. And what did we just say was the most powerful branch of government today? The judiciary. The judiciary. So let me ask you a question like I did with the Senate. How should that factor into your, in your vote? You see, when you vote for president, you're not just voting for the person who sits in the Oval Office. You're voting for every federal judge the president will nominate. You're voting to protect or undermine religious freedom and the spread of the gospel. Well, and while you take a drink, when you take it, while you're taking a drink, I, let's just talk about that. Because when you look at, it seems like every president gets to nominate three, 200 to 400 federal judges. There seems to be a, 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 a shifting a, a, every four years. There's lots of judges that are retiring or whatever. So this is a big deal because there's always federal judges to get appointed. There are always federal judges. So again, keep that in mind as you're voting for president and as you're voting for Senate, that you're not just voting for president or senator. You're voting for who sits on the court. You're voting for who will determine your, your religious freedom and what that looks like. It's, it's amazing. So let's look at some general criteria to use to evaluate all candidates, all candidates from, from your local mayor on up to the president of the United States. What are some things we should look at? Well, here are the things I, I tend to look at. The first thing I look at is, is integrity. You know, I, I wish that every candidate I voted for had great integrity. They don't. But that is the first thing I look for. Are they trustworthy? Okay. The next thing I look for is really is their track record. And I've come up with a little saying that, that past behavior is the best predictor of future behavior. And I've came up with it because it, it's true most of the time. It's not every now and then someone will surprise you. But as a general rule, it's true. So I vote on past behavior. Then I look at who do they associate with? In politics, we had a saying, personnel is policy. That is, the people I hire are the ones who will implement my agenda. And if they're going this direction, my agenda is going to go this direction. If they're going this direction, my agenda is going to go this direction because they're the ones actually implementing. Personnel is policy. Then I talk about, I look at the money trail. I look, <laughs> I look the at the money, money trail. Yeah. yeah. Who have they given money to and who has given money to them? That's going to tell me a lot about where they're going to come down on the issues. Right. Uh, and endorsements. Who has, who has endorsed them and who have they endorsed? And then finally, what do they say? That is their words. And, and, and frankly, I say, just turn off the sound, go with the track record. Ignore their words. If their words and their track record differ, turn off the sound entirely. And that's pretty simple. And frankly, if you, if you want to drill down on this, I'm going to put a blog online at, at bradbright.org. And you can read my blog, it'll be how to evaluate candidates. Just very straightforward. It'll give you these criteria so you can use these as you evaluate candidates. Hmm. All right. So if you want to drill down further into these criteria, go to bradbright.org and read your blog entitled How to Evaluate Candidates. Brad, summarize it all for me. Don't bury your vote. I think that's what you're a steward. God made you a steward, not an owner of your vote. So invest your vote. Don't bury it. And invest it as wisely as you can. But do that with your Bible open because God is the issue. And really, that's what this show is all about. Making God the issue in every issue. And as we've learned today, that it really is a sin not to vote. As a steward, as a follower of Jesus, you are a steward of your vote. Brad Bright, phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much for sharing today. Jim, thank you. Great being here. 
And thanks for joining us today on the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Bright. Remember to check us out online at brightmedia.org. Or if you want to get a hold of Brad's blogs, go to bradbright.org. I all of a sudden drew a blank. Dot org. Dot org. org. Bradbright.org. Remember, always be kind, compassionate, and shrewd while making God the issue in your voting, but especially in every issue.